This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, December 21st, 2019. Welcome back, everybody. It is the pre-pre-Christmas episode of Geek Gab, and we have all kinds of fun stuff to talk about today. Yay, verily, a plethora of topics to cover. But before we do, Dornall, how was your week? Hey, man. It was good. Thanks to you and everybody joining us live for tuning in. I am ready for the holidays. I've got family here visiting. I've got a Christmas tree. Everything's good, except for this massive storm and that's blanketing the Pacific Northwest with torrential downpours. But that's okay. It's a good time to stay inside and watch a feature film. And just water? It's not snow? No, no. We, we, we don't get that much. I, I remain unimpressed. Yeah. Um, also, uh, you, you got to save a lot of money this week, I hear. Did I? Yeah, you got inundated with spoilers to the, ex- <laughs> to the extent <laughs> that you didn't have to go see a movie. <laughs> I, I, I practically read the whole movie ahead of time, yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've got news for you. Uh, things changed. Uh, the aforementioned family visitors really wanted to see the movie so i i did it i i sacrificed that time and money you actually went and saw the movie i did i did uh, it oh. was a it was a sacrifice made for family not for you guys <laughs> see whereas i went and saw the movie and it was a sacrifice made for the audience because i wasn't really all that interested but we'll we will talk about that later hey i gotta um, clarify i gotta clarify for uh, the mixed gm and chat pacific northwest we always get rain especially during the winter and the late autumn but it's a light rain and it's sort of a it's constantly cloudy and we get a drizzle but torrential downpours are rare this is a proper storm uh, for around here so you get like uk weather yeah okay yeah i'm just trying to compare on the uh the edge of the continents the climatological re- yes i went to college and we actually learned something the climatological regions where where the pacific northwest falls is about the same as the uk very similar uh we're almost on the same latitude and uh we're also on the west coast of yep. of the continent yeah very similar climate um uh, bef- uh before we get into some other stuff. Did you get a chance to go see Richard Jewell? No, I didn't see that one. That you're that you're on your own for that. All right. I did. So we're gonna talk about that. Oh, should we tell him the movie that you went and saw? Is what? it not oh, obvious? It's not obvious. Everybody knows I went and saw the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Yes. I, I regret everything. <laughs> um and then we were maybe also gonna talk about I just watched Red Dwarf. I'm sorry. Uh, all of it. No. Yeah, oh. And uh, I also wanted to talk about like the Watchmen TV show and Doomsday Clock, the Watchmen comic book series that finally 
the the comic book series that was supposed to last two years or was supposed to last one year that somehow lasted like two and a half or three years, something like that. It lasted a long time. <laughs> and, okay. And maybe even felt longer than it actually lasted, which is, I mean, that's a real accomplishment when you last two and a half, three years, but it feels even longer. That's, that's impressive. But wait, there's more. We got two pieces of news I wanted to talk about. All right, what's the news? <laughs> this is both of these are hilarious, um, but I'll go with the older one. Kristen Stewart. Do you know who Kristen Stewart is? Sure, Twilight. Twilight, yeah. Uh, the Hollywood Critics Association has declared her to be. Actress of the decade for the last 10 years. I'm speechless. Was Daisy Ridley not eligible? Come on. Of the decade. <laughs> I'm like, I, I just. Was she in anything this decade? Twilight was last decade. <laughs> No, no, Twilight was all, all this decade. Really? Yeah, I had to check up on the dates just to make sure. Pretty much all her movies was this decade. All of her movies were this. No, wow. I have to be lying. I misread the dates. Twilight's has to be last decade. I thought it was. That's, in, that's incredible. What has she done besides Twilight? A bunch of other... Uh, American Ultra is the only one I remember that I liked. It was a decent flick that was kind of uneven because it's doesn't really hit a genre straight, but it was it was okay. It's about this guy in a town who's a hophead. He's a stoner. Um, so you think it's going to be a stoner comedy, but it's not. It turns out he's actually an MK Ultra super assassin. Like he is really badass and he accidentally gets activated and um and it's actually a good movie but that it's not a good movie she did a good job in it i'm not gonna lie but it's not a really compelling performance from her wow well i tell you what we're gonna i, I don't know what how good her performances are uh because uh let's go over the list of films she's actually been in since 2011 uh, Twilight Saga, so the third Twilight film that was broken it. into okay. two parts. Really Only day. the third one, though. The other two were in the previous decade. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, Snow White. She was Snow White in Snow White and the Huntsman. Yes. I, I, I think some people saw that. I saw that. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. There's a bunch of names that I've never seen before. American Ultra, you mentioned. Yep. Yeah, Lizzie. Uh, sorry, I, I haven't heard of any of these films besides Twilight. So she, she must be doing these these art house projects that nobody has seen. So you can't dispute her acting ability. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were to name actresses who had a bigger impact on the culture, who had uh, better careers, better acting talent than 
Kristen Stewart. How hard would that be? You know what? In the last decade, yeah, I'm I'm actually having trouble. <laughs> I I uh, I was discussing this with someone on Twitter. They came up with one, and I came up with another. The one I came up with was Scarlett Johansson. Uh, sure. She was in all the Marvel movies, and then she was in a bunch of other things too. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean that. Nobody's really flipping out over her screen presence or acting ability. Uh, before you before you get yours, I would think maybe Emily Blunt. Yeah, Emily Blunt's had a had a good career. She's been in at least two movies that I love. Yeah, um, Live Die Repeat or uh, you know Edge of she, Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Um, and then The Silent Place, The Quiet Place. Uh huh. And um, she was. Uh, she was also in uh, the Sicario. Sicario was great. I haven't seen all the way. I haven't seen the just but the beginning of that. But yeah, um, that's a good book choice. That 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 eluded my thinking. But yeah, she's had a great career, and she's well, particularly this uh, this decade. This yeah, decade. Um, the other person pointed out that Jennifer Lawrence had a bigger impact on culture. And a bigger career than uh, Kristen Stewart because she had all the Twilight years, or, or not Twilight, excuse me, all of the um, Mockingbird and Hunger Games. All the Hunger Games movies were this decade. Oh, all the X Men movies that she were she was in, and then all the other movies. In fact, her entire career has been in this decade. It started with Winterbone which is a, a Southern Gothic crime movie. Uh, and I've seen it. It's an indie movie, and it is uh, cold and gruesome. It's kind of like Justified. Uh, she's a teen girl. Her dad disappears. She has to deal with this Kentucky backwoods crime family. Uh, it's very, very fraught. It's very, very uh, scary, and she has to, you know, walk the line socially between people who are clearly in the conversation, making decisions about whether to kill her or not. It's a good movie. And that's where her career began. And then she just went on to bigger and better things. She had the uh, series of movies of Bradley Cooper. She was in joy. She was in um, silver linings playbook. She was in, um, was it American, why can't I remember that? You American, oh, yeah, yeah. American Hustle. American Hustle. American Hustle. Yeah. She's had a phenomenal career this decade. Uh, and so I would I would say she'd be put, and obviously has way more talent than Kristen Stewart. Is it obvious? I'll take your word for it. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of any of these actresses. <laughs> I... <laughs> it's... it's is there anybody in the chat who's coming up with also? No, nobody's got anything. Nobody's got anything. Uh, David Rue mentions Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt was in Looper. Yeah, Looper was Looper was Ryan Johnson's good movie. He did one yeah. good one. John C. Uh, Wright likes Brick, but I've never seen it, so I can't say. All I know is uh, Looper was kind of all right up till the ending. Sure. You're like okay. Yeah, that's. I, I think we've. I think we've exhausted that. 
we've exhausted that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, just actress of the decade for Kristen Stewart. I just don't think so. Maybe not. Maybe we're maybe they're waiting the influence of the Twilight Saga on uh, you know millions of young women everywhere. Speaking about middle-aged women. Yeah, go ahead. Speaking about the influence of a young adult series on children everywhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you ever heard the phrase "read a book"? Literally any other book. Any other book than Harry Potter. Yeah. Um. Apparently, people have not only started reading other books than Harry Potter, they have literally begun to burn Harry Potter books. Burning Harry Potter books. Burning Harry Potter. I'm Hold on. Now, 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 based on your setup, I'm guessing this isn't the usual uh, fundamental Christian's burning satanic works type of book burning. This is something else, isn't it? This is something else. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get through this with a straight face. I, just, <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting there watching this happen, and I'm like, look, guys, all we suggested was read another book. Literally any other book. We didn't say get rid of Harry Potter. We didn't say hate Harry Potter. And we sure didn't say burn your Harry Potter books. We just said pick up another book and read it. Broaden your inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> So, so tell me. I, I, I think I know this story, but why don't you tell me? Why why are fans, it sounds like fans, why are for, former fans burning Harry Potter books? There was a tweet she sent out in support of a woman who had gotten fired for not actually doing something that somebody got offended and claimed that she did when she didn't actually do it. And then everybody is now offended by the thing that she didn't actually do that they say she did. And because JK Rowling supported this woman, she's become an unperson overnight. She's canceled. That's, that's great. <laughs> I, I've gone cross-eyed. Two days. This happened over the course of two, maybe three days. Bam, it's like this. I, I'm just imagining it like one of those movie uh, scenes where somebody's stamping your passport or something. They've thrown down a picture of J.K. Rowling and stamped the big red stamp with ink, and it just is canceled right across her face. Boom. Canceled. Canceled. Okay. I've I found the, I believe I found the tweet in question from. Uh... J.K. Rowling. Well, I, I don't actually have this tweet. She's probably deleted it or something. <laughs> Dress however you please. Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adult who will have you. As an aside, is that not the motto of uh, the internet or what? Uh, <laughs> continuing on, live your best life in peace and security, but force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real. Um, this, that's it. You know, she, she, uh, it, you're right. She went against the narrative and, and, and that was it. Uh, 
you've got you got hordes of of internet fans and and because twitter's a a cesspool uh they're calling her a turf uh she's she's no longer she's no longer uh, with the hip woke crowd now this is this is the hilarious thing is now that she's been canceled people have begun dredging up all these quote-unquote problematic things about her book. Like, for instance, did you know that the Harry Potter books are an assault on HIV-positive people? Are they? um, Are they used to bludgeon HIV-positive people? They They are intended as as bigotry and and as cruelty and such to HIV positive people. That's what they are. Dang it. I mean, if you're going to do that, wouldn't any book do? I mean, wouldn't you pick a heavier book? No, no, no. Not physically. The characters and situations in the book. Oh, I see. I was confused by your your use of this strange language where you and you actually said that it, it caused harm to these people. And the only way I could interpret that as a rational human being was that they were being used to physically pummel those people. So there's a lot of crazy things being thrown around out there now, and and they're burning Harry Potter books. Well, I mean, I guess. (laughs) It had to happen someday. Now, my only question is, they're burning the Harry Potter books, but are they actually going to read other books now? The jury, the jury's out. Let's let's wait and see. Yeah. So it's crazy out there in the world that Kristen Stewart is the best actress of the last ten years, and uh, J.K. Rowling is 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 ultra conservative right wing. She is now a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. She, uh, yeah, she's 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 out. She's bad. She messed up. She messed up. Well, I well, I'd like to personally welcome her then to to the fan base. She can come hang out and chat with us. (laughs) With with the rest, the rest, the rest of us unpeople who just want to enjoy popular culture. Speaking of which, you know somebody else who got canceled and went from the heights of being uh, applauded and lauded and uh, venerated across the country to the depths of being hated and and spat upon by by just about everyone? I mean, it sounds like you're describing Donald Trump, but I'm guessing you got someone else in mind. Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell. Now, I don't, I don't know this story. Tell me about this. So in 1996, during the Clinton administration, uh, the Olympics were held in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, the Summer Olympics. And uh, one night in Centennial Park, um, Richard Jewell, who was... He was a low-level security guard who was kind of a joke to everyone around him because uh, he always, always, always wanted to be in law enforcement, but he just 
had a long series of bad. He just wasn't. Well, I encourage you to watch the movie to find that out. <laughs> okay. He 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 had some personality flaws, but he was a good guy. I mean, he really, really meant well, and he loved the law, and he always tried to do the right thing. He noticed a strange package. He called for the bomb squad. Everybody rolled their eyes and told him to forget about it. There weren't nothing, but he didn't. And the bomb squad guys came in, and they found uh, a massive bomb. And immediately they started getting people back. And he ran to this media tower where all the cameras and lights were for the performance that's going on. I mean, this is in the middle of a park. They've got a stage set up. You've got this huge performance going on. And all these innocent people are literally like a foot away from where this bomb is, this gargantuan explosive device, um, three huge pipe bombs chained to get daisy chained together. And uh, so he goes running up this tower to evacuate the media and he gets all the cops, you know, tells them everything so they can get the crowd and starts moving them back, moving them back, moving them back. Um, so he's risking his life. He finds the device. He does the right thing. And the bomb goes off, and over 100 people are injured, but only two people are killed. And if he hadn't done his job, you know, there may have been 10, 20, 30, who knows how many people killed uh, or injured. Because of what he did, he saved so many lives, and he was, he, he was just a hero. Um, he was a small, uh, humble man, hum man of humble circumstances, did his job. And then a couple of days later, somebody leaked to the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution that he was the uh, chief or one of the uh, chief uh, suspects for the bombing and then for the next so this was like he had like three days four days of people loving him and you know he was on uh the today show and, and cnn and just across the country everybody was telling him how awesome he is um you know other cops were saying to him uh, like during the emergency, at least in the movie, they're saying, you know, uh, I will never ever question you about one of your, you know, one of your little weird things again. <laughs> um, but then the FBI came along and he immediately became uh, public enemy number one. He became this weird guy with weird friends who hunts and owns a lot of guns and uh, had been let go under mysterious circumstances, not mysterious, but strange circumstances. They pointed out his character flaws and things like that and and generally just made his life miserable. And uh, it turns out at the end of it that this guy who they made suffer for months uh he really, really, really was innocent. 
Um, wow. And like six years later, they actually caught the actual bomber. Um, but the FBI guys engaged in questionable tactics. They engaged in... They... This guy was so loyal to the concept of law and order that he was willing to do just about anything they asked and they used that to try and hang him and because this was a capital crime in georgia they used it to try and get him the electric chair even though um they really knew it wasn't him after a very short time some of them just kept on going after him and it was so it was the news media and the FBI working together to try and uh, defame him and make his life, uh, you know, make it a living hell so he would confess and they could say they got him. So they were too embarrassed to say, we got the wrong guy. Dang. And that's what the movie's about. So... Well that that's a heck of a story. I remember I was pretty young when the when the bombing happened, but I didn't remember any of the hoopla around the security guard Richard Jewell. That's amazing. So tell me about the film. Um, the problem with the movie, Clint Eastwood is a great director. He directed this movie. Um, the problem with the movie is that Richard Jewell, as a person was during this entire fiasco really reactive things happened to him and he didn't really take charge he didn't really act against it with obstacles to overcome it makes for a bad story that's my point okay uh it just wasn't a compelling story for the movie you mean you mean it didn't have a compelling narrative like there there wasn't a they couldn't turn it into a proper, you know, plot structure. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And so the movie just wasn't gripping. I mean, if you've seen a Clint Eastwood movie, whether it's fictional or true, you know, he can craft a narrative that grips you, that keeps you moving through the story. I mean, uh, Gran Torino is just one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, yeah, that was great. And it, you can feel the tension building up as you go through the movie. Even if you don't know why, he's building the tension towards something. And when you get there, you're just like, whoa. Um, but this movie didn't really have tension. And... The guy playing Richard Jewell, the actor playing Richard Jewell, does a phenomenal job. I mean, he is really, really good at doing Richard Jewell. By the way, Richard Jewell died uh, at the age of 44 from heart problems. Oh. Uh, and that was in, like, I want to say 2003 or 2007. So just, you know, a little while ago, not long I mean, not long, a little while after, you know, the bomb scare. But at least he got to see that his name was cleared. He was exonerated um, fully. Uh, 
but but the movie just wasn't compelling. It just didn't drive a story that was interesting. And and I'm glad I watched it once. I actually wanted to watch it, but it's not a movie I would watch again. Uh, whereas Gran Torino, I absolutely would watch. Um, you know, over and over. It's not a bad movie. Uh, again, all the technical stuff is aces, just above par. But um, Richard Jewell's story, because he is a character, doesn't do enough to drive things, doesn't do enough to make the story interesting. He's just really, really passive. And he just lies there and takes all the kicks that the FBI and other people give him. So it's it sounds like a, a really dramatic way to get yourself riled up in, in anger and frustration at the at law enforcement. Um, it, it I will say this after the movie. The FBI agent who is in charge of the investigation was literally at the scene of the bombing. He was one of the people trying to get the crowd to move back, and he wasn't very far away from the bomb when it went off. And I think the biggest mistake the FBI made... So, I don't think that a person who is that close, who suffers that much from the bomb, can ever be a good investigator. I, I don't think that they have the dispassionate um, investigators, you know, eyes and heart, to analyze evidence and see it for what it was. I think he's always going to be emotionally involved, and that's always going to compromise his professionalism, whether or not he realizes it. And, and that doesn't mean he's a bad person. It just means you're asking him to do something that he shouldn't be doing, like asking a doctor to operate on a family member. You don't do that because he can't do that well. So the FBI's biggest error involved in this investigation was allowing that to happen. They should have shut down the local field office's investigation and brought in agents from an entirely different field office, maybe one in an entirely different state. People who are not personally connected to the bomb, people who could look at the evidence, um, uh, clearly, dispassionately, and see what was going on. See, the critical moment of the movie, the one moment when Richard Jewell does actually turn around and does actually begin fighting back, is when he says in an interrogation, do you have any evidence of anything? You've taken all my mom's Tupperware. You've taken, you know, all of these things from my house. You've searched the house. You've done all this stuff. Do you have any evidence at all? 
linking me to this bomb. And they literally didn't. They have nothing. Mm -hmm. No evidence. Zero evidence. No circumstantial evidence. No trace evidence. No nothing. And they were still pursuing this investigation because the agents were convinced he was guilty. They sincerely believed he was guilty. This guy who was emotionally involved with the investigation, even other people in the FBI didn't knew he wasn't guilty, but they still weren't shutting it down because they'd been in the media so much that it was embarrassing to the FBI to admit they were wrong. So they made a fundamental error, the FBI did, and it, is, it isn't a bad lesson to draw that even good people with the best of intentions can do um, bad things, and innocent people, you know, normal people can and will get crushed by uh, law enforcement organizations, especially uh, the federal government. They're just big and powerful, and uh, so yeah, it serves to be wary, and the other lesson is, don't ever talk to the police unless you've got a lawyer present. <laughs> don't talk to the police. Life life lessons from Geek Gab. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, oh. it's not a bad movie, um, but it's not it's just not a great movie. It's just not a clinique. It's not up to the standard of his other movies. All right. Fair enough. Are, are you ready to talk about the big show? Star Wars. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, so you just saw this morning. I'm anxious to get your fresh, hot, steaming take on the latest Star Wars. My overall opinion of uh, the new Star Wars movie is this. I think it's the best movie of the trilogy. It's better than The Force Awakens. It's better than The Last Jedi. And if the other two movies had been this good, the overall impression about the trilogy would have been it's not as good as the original series, but it's better than the prequels. You liked it better than the prequels? Yes. Wow. Um, the opening scene, there is a, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of, the very opening scene of the movie sets the stakes clearly it's got some really creepy things in it it presents you with the bad guy and the bad guy's plan and uh and i think it's a well-conceived plan it's a great villainous plan you hear it and you're going oh that's a villain who's got his head screwed on tight. He's not a loser. He's got a plan that he can actually implement. You know, he's a good villain. He's not an idiot. I just liked it. It was dramatic. 
the way they shot it, all the things that went into it, it was a really good scene. And the movie star so the movie started off on a good foot with me. It earned a little bit of credit there. All right. But I'm sensing a but. Well, I mean, there were bad stuff in the rest of the movie here and there. Um, but there were really good things too. Like Ray isn't a Mary Sue in this movie. She's actually doing Jedi training. Sure. Like grueling, difficult Jedi training. And she's failing at it. And she has to do it again. And she's done it again many times before and has never been able to finish it. I mean, that's true. <clears throat> and that's true. That and I think, yes, she she goes and you see her fail a little. You see her make mistakes, and you see her friends uh, get you know upset and frustrated with her for for trying to you know do everything herself and run off and and, and try to be the superhero. Um, and she, if they had had scenes like that. In the in the uh, Force Awakens, and taking away some of the silly superpower she has. Oh, she speaks Wookie. Oh, she speaks Droid. Oh, she does this. Oh, she can fly the Millennium Falcon. Oh, she can repair the Millennium Falcon. Oh, she can do all these things. The movie would have been a lot better and would have been a lot less hated because she wouldn't be, you know the best of the best in the all of the galaxy. You could have had someone. Oh, yeah. And like one time in the show, she has this super stupendous force power that does an amazing thing that she can't control very well. And in fact, it gets out of control and causes a big problem. You know? Yeah, uh, they were. They did that to set up the one of the one of her personal conflicts later. That that she's she's got so much awesome force powers in her that that she can't control them. And so, if they had done that in the original movie, I'm just saying, take this back to the original movie. She doesn't have all the super skills, or she has some skills. Because she's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, but other people are better. She has to work hard uh, and doesn't succeed at everything. And she has, she needs other people. She isn't super superb. She isn't uh, slapping people's hands away and saying, how dare you touch my hand? And she has a lot of power in the force. She can do things easily but she can't control it well so she doesn't have finesse her power easily goes awry and can cause bad side effects uh if that had been ray in the original movie i think people would have liked it a lot more that would have sold the movie a lot more 
Have I just blown your mind? <laughs> uh, it's difficult. It's difficult to dispute that. <laughs> it doesn't mean you liked the movie anymore. You just didn't see that while you were watching it, or or it doesn't you know it doesn't make you like the movie anymore. I, I think I, I think the the thought that, that there's an underlying thought that is consistent with with all all of that stuff, which is when you when you started talking about her training scene and 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 her attitudes and not being a Mary Sue any longer, I thought about all the different story beats in. The Rise of Skywalker, and I realized that J.J. Abrams, who directed the film, either was given a list or wrote up a list. These are the things that the fans didn't like about the first two movies, and Last Jedi in particular. And with no elegance or 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 skill or anything, he simply checked those boxes off. Yeah, he didn't do what the fans didn't like. It was just, I'm going to come in, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a film, and this is a, ch and it was just blatant. It was okay. We're going to show Ray trying to learn Force stuff and failing. Check. We're going to have, uh, we're going to play up the, uh, the Ray Kylo romance that that was sort of present in the Last Jedi. People liked that. Check. Uh, we're going to have uh, more time with old characters. Check. We're going to have it, all of the criticisms you can think of. They went in and they checked a checkbox in this film. Yeah. It it was, it was, uh, a lot of people are, are comparing it to Avengers Endgame. <laughs> it's basically the plot of Avengers Endgame. No, it's not. Some of the story beats are the same. Uh, that they, they're copying some of the beats, especially at the end. But the in the same way that the Marvel movies are all sort of cut and pasted and stitched together to please audience expectations, the the Rise of Skywalker is the sort of ultimate Disney corporate version of Star Wars. They hired a guy who. I don't, I, who's, who just does this? They say, here's the script, f you know, fill in these boxes, color in these sections and put it out. Right. Just, just make us some money. And he did. It's all, you know, by the book, everything, uh, everything that the fans claim to want, everything that the studio wants, that sort of thing. It's the most corporate product produced for Star Wars yet. I think uh, I think he still hasn't learned his lessons entirely, obviously, because C-3PO has this line uh, where he says, I'm just looking at my friends for one last time or whatever. Yeah. And they've got Lando Calrissian and Chewbacca in the movie and R2-D2. And all three of them should be right in front of C-3PO when he says something like that. Yeah. C-3PO is about to give up all his memories. I'd say spoilers, but 
Yeah. Seriously, that's just ludicrous right now. Well, that that line that line's in, in the actual trailers, you know. One yeah. last look at my friends. It's supposed to it's supposed to be a heartwarming thing delivered, you know, uh, you know, quietly and seriously and and it's it's just the new guys. It's like Ray, Poe and Finn standing there and some new random aliens. And you go, not it's more like coworkers. <laughs> it, yeah, you 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 don't have Chewbacca there, you don't have Lando Calrissian there, and you don't have R2-D2 there, that's a failure. That's fail. Yeah. Fail state. So, yeah, he didn't learn from it. Uh, and and that sort of drives home uh, another thing I thought about it, which is, uh, as I'm watching it, these characters, the, the, the scenes that they play with these characters and lines like that made me realize that they really intended us as an audience to connect with or identify with those characters, Ray, Poe, and Finn, instead of being an interesting Star Wars story, it's those three characters are the new audience surrogates, and we all get to hang out with those old characters in that in that old setting. Does that make sense? Maybe there's there's a way I could better put that. <laughs> Uh, sort of, but I'm not sure I'm exactly there. <clears throat> all right, so Luke, Luke and Han and Leia, they're all characters in the story that exist as part of the universe. Right. right. They're, you watch the first film, and you're like, oh, this is a fun adventure with these characters in it. And uh, then it, by the, the third movie of this trilogy, you've got one of the old characters, one of the side characters, treating these three new characters as if they were these old friends. Right. Uh, when you realize uh, how long have they, you know, known each other? Maybe, maybe a year. I don't. It, the passage of time is really fuzzy in all these movies. But uh, no, they're not his friends. They're not. They're 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 three people who who are in a theme park ride and enjoying, you know, their time in the Star Wars universe. It it didn't seem real, or it didn't seem earned. It didn't seem uh, real that these people are actually characters in the star Wars universe, because to me, they just seemed like audience stand-ins. It felt like an amusement park, right? It didn't feel like watching a movie. Hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't see that, but I can understand what you're saying. Okay. It feels like it felt to you like it was plastic and unreal. Certainly. I enjoyed the movie. It's not a great movie. I would say it's better than Solo. I think it's better than Rogue One. Um, I just, I don't understand. I'll be honest. Hmm. I don't understand why it's so hard for Lucasfilm to make a Star Wars movie. I mean, it, uh, you know what? It's it's not even worth it. We just last week we talked to Nick Cole. How do you make a successful Star Wars thing? Uh, do something else with it. Get get out of the world. Get out of the characters. Uh, get some of that look. Get some of the same look and feel, but do something fun and interesting with it. Right? Uh, they failed to do that. They just wanted to cash in on the nostalgia and. 
they failed to hire competent people to do it because uh, they either didn't care or they actively hate their audience. I know, I know some of our listeners lean on one side, some of our listeners lean on the other. I mean, is it really that hard to write a story about big, huge bad guys and giant spaceships, small plucky heroes going up against them, and because of their perseverance and uh, uh, you know cunning or ingenuity, they eke out a win when it was almost impossible. Is that, is that really so hard just to come up with that story? Uh, I mean, I don't think storytelling's really been a good aspect of of the the modern comic book. The, this movie's in the same wheelhouse as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? It's the storytelling's not really strong, and Star Wars in particular, since the prequels, uh, have not been very strong. They're not they're not interesting movies. They're not interesting stories. Uh, they're they're showcases for uh, aliens and cool effects and space battles and laser swords. I mean, it's good stuff. I just uh, I don't understand why, unless you're just sneering at it or you just don't understand it. Sneering's a good word. I was. Uh, I, I can imagine someone sneering throughout the whole <laughs> in the audience sneering throughout the whole show. It's just it's not that hard to make a story that's about good guys being good and bad guys being bad and there's a fight between the two. It's really not. Well, I, they certainly attempted in this film. They, they here's here's super bad evil. Here are the good people fighting it, and then and then there's some conflict, external and internal, and 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 at the end, good fights evil. You know, uh, they they sort of did that. It just I noticed John is in the audience. I'm I'm right here. What are you talking about? The other John. John DeLaRose says watch another film. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, John. Back up, John. Back up, John. You're back up, John, now. Imitation, watch, John. Watch another film. Uh, yeah. Definitely, yeah, definitely definitely watch another film. I know you enjoyed it. I mean, if you've got kids who like Star Wars that want to see laser swords, I suppose you could you could see it. I don't recommend it. I, I didn't like it. Um. I, I had the whole thing spoiled to me ahead of time, and watching it on screen didn't make it any better. Um, oh, that's where I was lucky. Yeah? Yeah, I was uh, really, really, really short on sleep, so when I went into the theater, I didn't, I couldn't remember hardly any of the spoilers, so it didn't make a difference. didn't make a difference, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bradford, uh, the fleet battle, I, I, I should mention that. Yeah, the fleet battle was not uh, not something special. Uh, it's it's so many so many Star Destroyers uh, against another ragtag uh, rebellion fleet, and it just it just wasn't that fun to watch. Not, not really interesting. 
Um, see, I'm going to take the opposite tag. John, I brought up John because he said at one point that he wanted to himself go in and watch the movie so he could give it an honest take instead of just condemning it sight unseen. And I told him we were going to be talking about it on Geek Gab. And of course, I told him I would be giving my honest opinion here. And so this is my absolute honest opinion. I'm not doing this to be a contrarian. I'm not doing this to try and troll people and tick them off. This movie is a perfectly fine movie. It's perfectly serviceable. It is a decent space opera movie. It's enjoyable. If this was, if this had any other IP attached, people would be talking about, oh, hey, this is a pretty good movie. It's entirely a quest. It moves very quickly. And you'd be kind of lost at some of the things that were going on because they don't stop and exposit anything. And they're better for that because... Uh, there's a lot of silly things in as far as like hooking up backwards into uh, Return of the Jedi. But I enjoyed it. There are some things that weren't great. There are some things that were kind of silly. But you know what? It was fun. I'm glad you had fun. I'm it, glad you had fun. It literally entertained me. It's one of those movies that... While it was on screen, I was entertained. It didn't make me miserable. didn't make me angry. I didn't sit there cataloging a list of flaws to bring to the movie. I mean, I noticed some flaws, but I wasn't like making up a big, huge list of them like I do with some other things. That, or rather, I should say, like some other things provoke me to do. There are just some things that are bad enough that they provoke me that I have to catalog their flaws because... God dang it, it makes me irritable, um, or it irritates me. So, it's a, you know, it's a fine space opera movie. It's not, I mean, when you compare it to the space opera movies you watched as a kid, it's just heads and uh, shoulders above it. Uh, sure, the, the script was a little bit fuzzy in some places, um, there are some things happening that you just, you don't really understand why it's happening. Um, because it happens because of things that happened in earlier movies, but I'm talking about, you know, whatever. It's a standalone movie. Um, and it's okay. That's it. I mean, I am a champion of, of fine. I'm a champion of okay. I'm a champion of serviceable. And it's an okay movie. Expectations are higher for, for Star Wars, but in retrospect, if Disney could have delivered an okay trilogy, that would have been fine. Would have been groundbreaking, but you'd be like, well, could have been worse. Well, damning with faint praise indeed. Uh, you're, you're entitled to your opinion as completely wrong as it is. <laughs> uh, I, I, the, you made a good point though. The expectations were very low, and it exceeded those expectations. He, they really came in and they said, "Listen to the fans. Uh, the Last Jedi was uh, complete trash for a number of reasons. The one of the main problems with the movie is that it needed to 
maintain that continuity from the previous film, which which was an absolute mess, right? Snoke is still dead. Uh, they did a lot of fun stuff with the that that force communication that Kylo oh, Ren and, and Ray had. They they did some fun stuff with, with that. They're like, okay, let's let's see what we can do with the implications of the fact that they can sort of interact with each other across galactic distances, right? Uh, but it, you know, it had it, it it exceeded those expectations as low as they were. I'm I'm going to do a spoiler. So if you want to uh, if you want to leave or or fast forward or whatever, um, th- this is actually just fun. The movie spends just about the entire movie ignoring the Last Jedi. The things that happen in the Last Jedi get a little bit of lip service here and there, um, but for the most part, just completely ignored. To the maximum extent possible, it's as if the Last Jedi really never happened. <laughs> it's it's yeah. hilarious. Um, and the one thing's the funniest of all. Uh, everybody knows the Emperor's in it because it was in the trailers. Um, and this is the spoiler. Supreme Leader Snoke. This is how much uh regard and respect that JJ Abrams had for the last Jedi it turns out the supreme leader Snoke was just a clone or some other organism yeah. that that Palpatine made he grew him in a tank he yeah. literally walk by the tank and see some of the body parts of an earlier Snoke yeah, his Snoke is just an Emperor clone. <laughs> it's just awesome. You're just looking at him and nodding and saying, well, there you go. He took all the garbage that that Ryan Johnson left behind and ignore everything that didn't matter and the things that just absolutely needed a little bit of explanation to give it the minimum of explanation possible. Uh, and those scenes with Ray and uh, Kylo Ren were great. They were legitimately great scenes. They were entertaining. Uh, they were inventive. Uh, they did really imaginative things with the scenes of those two interacting. Uh, and I really enjoy those parts of the movie. I mean, I don't want, when I say this is an okay movie, I'm not saying that it's, there's nothing good in the movie. There are some things in this movie that are great, legitimately fun and exciting scenes that you're going, hey, that's awesome. Um, At one point, Kylo Ren has to fight his way through some allies of his, and uh, it's a fun fight. It's a short fight because a lot of other things are going on. It's a fun fight. At one point, Palpatine gets to unleash his full might uh, against some people, and you're, it's awesome. It's a moment that made me think, okay, now that is the only thing in this trilogy that even lifts it up to, like, the Lensman escalation point. Because the Lensman series has that escalation of power to, you know, at the end of the series, they're dropping whole planets into uh, hyperspace tunnels to serve as weapons. Uh, a planet and an anti-planet to collide and make a big, huge explosion. Um, And this one thing that Palpatine does, I won't spoil, you're just like, wow, 
that's cool. That is an escalation of what's going on. There are legitimately fun things in this movie that they do, legitimately great uh, scenes that they do. Someone suggests when they're about to have this space battle, well, why don't we do the Holdo maneuver? And someone else says, that's like a million to one shot. And I'm like, okay, I'm satisfied with that. You have utterly dismissed that silliness in uh, The Last Jedi, so it won't ever appear in this movie. I'm fine. That explains why it hasn't been used before. I'm okay with it. You know, it isn't great, but it's not going to be appearing in this movie. I'm good in it as far as it not appearing in this movie. So, yeah, I don't think this is a bad movie. I really don't. In fact, I would say the fact that John didn't enjoy it and I did enjoy it means it isn't a terrible movie because we're arguing not about fundamental flaws in plot. We're not arguing about fundamental flaws in... Oh, I haven't had a chance to give my opinion yet. J.J. <laughs> <laughs> um, Abrams didn't spit in the faces of the fans. J.J. Abrams didn't go out and make a movie that deliberately um, show that he hates you or has contempt for you. He actually made a movie that he meant to be interesting, actually made a movie that he meant to... Uh, entertain the audience, and there are the deep and fundamental flaws that are present in uh, The Last Jedi uh, are not here. We're arguing about whether or not we enjoyed it, uh, not, you know, how <laughs> how obnoxious it was about whether it crept on the fans. Um, and so... That that's kind of where we are. Um, uh, I think uh, I'll bring up a comment from the chat. Diversity in comics uh, says, I talked to a nine-year-old kid who saw it without having seen any other Star Wars movie. <laughs> he said he thought it was fun. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, it's this is this is kids schlock. Um, it, here's here's my take. Go for and, it. And, and we'll get negative for a minute. This script is no better than a video game script. In fact, I was quite disappointed that I didn't get to play anything in between all of those cutscenes. <laughs> with <laughs> it's true. You uh, like Tomb Raider scenes? I mean, it's it just felt like video game cutscene after video game cutscene. The uh, there were probably too many action scenes because they weren't really that important. It was more like a, a, a ride. Like, ooh, let's have a fun fight against uh, stormtroopers with jetpacks, complete with Marvel quips, right? Uh, not That scene was not interesting at all. No. Uh, and, I and we had two MacGuffins. In fact, we had two MacGuffins and a third MacGuffin that was a MacGuffin for the MacGuffin. Uh, and it was just, let's go to this place and get a MacGuffin and, and search for this other MacGuffin, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it uh, absolutely pointless. In, in, uh, it was a video game script. It, was, it, it did not need to be filmed. The, uh, the other uh, complaint I had, the characters, of course, were... I, I don't find them fun or interesting. You know, the three main guys, Ray, Finn, and Poe. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad they, uh, once again, hitting the checkboxes, they gave Finn a proper 
attempt at, at self-sacrifice again, sort of redeem himself from that ridiculous scene in The Last Jedi. Uh, it was... Go ahead and say it. It wasn't great. But it, it, it yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. <laughs> I mean, like, I, what can I say? I, uh, I we'll, we'll go back and we'll talk about another one or two of the fun moments. Maybe uh, it 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 just felt like that was that was the thing. I was actually having trouble thinking of the other thing because I didn't write it down. Um, was the direction and the editing itself. Uh, I hate to say this because he's done a lot of work and made a lot of money for studios. Uh, and I'm just a guy who sits around on the internet, but JJ Abrams needs to go back to TV. This was, this was not a feature length film quality film. The editing was choppy. Uh, he can't hold the camera still. The, uh, the, I'll say this, the, the editing was put together so that the movie made sense. It was a coherent film, you know, uh, all, all the story beats were hit. Uh, weird things like this, like you mentioned, the scene with C-3PO uh, drained of all you know emotional content because of the characters who were there and the way it was just quickly filmed and cut together. That sort of thing. Um, no stakes in in the fight. You know, uh, there were very there were a few times when it looked like people were genuinely in danger, but uh, it felt like a theme park ride. Um, and Star Wars did too, you know, the 1977 Star Wars did too. Uh, but, uh, you know, when Darth Vader was on screen, there was real danger and ultimately Obi-Wan died, right? That sort of thing. Um, the addition of new characters just out of nowhere. You're supposed to think, oh, this is a this is a fun new alien. He's he's tiny and he speaks uh, in a, you know, acute phrasing, right? That sort of thing. Uh, we added a new droid for plot reasons. He's just a plot, a plot device with a, Who's, he's, he's an autistic droid for all the uh, for all the people on the spectrum in the audience so that they can feel included. <laughs> uh, what was the one thing he actually did? Uh, well, it's uh, it was an old droid that uh, knew about the MacGuffin because it was found on a ship where they expected to find a MacGuffin. So uh, they were able to use its memory for uh, to help find a MacGuffin. Yeah, if you were wondering why they introduced that that quote unquote character at all, yeah, that's what I mean. It was it was just a is a silly silly script, uh, fit for a video game, and it was shot like a TV show, and and not like uh, the space adventure that it was. Um, and despite uh, a lot of cool things that I, I there there were, there were a lot of moments that I did enjoy throughout the film. It just it wasn't good. If you got a nine-year-old who likes space adventures, take him. Whatever. It's it, this isn't going to harm the child with with evil messages like Frozen. <laughs> this isn't pure evil. It's just not good. If that makes sense. And that's how I feel anyway. I don't recommend it. But I think I think if you listen to, to if you listen to what you said and you listen to what some of the commenters are saying in chat, you'll know whether you want to see this or not. And who am I kidding? You've seen it by now. <laughs> All right. I, I I do have one I do have one thing so that we can end on a more positive note. One thing I did actually like. Uh, there's this this really cute moment that I'm going to totally spoil. So deal with it. 
the whole ca- you know, the whole crew is is standing around talking about what they need to do next. C3PO d- makes one of his stupid observations, right? The, you know, the typical C3PO oblivious statement. And the whole the rest of the cast just sort of turns and stares at C3PO. <laughs> like, did you really just say that? And and he waits a beat and then turns around and looks behind him. <laughs> like, what's everybody looking at? <laughs> Hilarious. Um, totally, almost totally out of place, but it was it was fun. Um, anyway, that's that's how I feel. Um, I think I think you're done. You sound spent. Well, I'm actually doing the uh to see if we I want to talk about it. Uh, the Watchmen TV series sucked. Great. Doomsday Clock sucked sucked red dwarf was not funny great in the first season good in the first season bad in the second season really good in the third fourth and fifth season has great special effects but not as good after that and then from back to earth on it's still red dwarf but there's no humor and I'm including the three new seasons on Dave, which I just watched for the very first time. It's kind of sad to me that there's no humor in Red Dwarf anymore. That's it. That's all the all I need to give is reviews for those. Good. That'll save me from trying to download Watchmen somewhere. I've heard I've heard mixed reviews on that. It it I'm not saying there aren't moments of good things in the book, in the in the series. It's a nine-episode series. Um, but overall, it sucked, and it's not worth watching the entire series until... It's not worth watching the entire series just to get those good moments. Um, remember, you asked me if uh, the Richard Jewell movie was just about making you hate federal law enforcement? Yeah. Uh, well, the Watchmen TV series is just about making you hate white people. I mean, I already hate them, so. Yeah. White I people, don't need to watch it. White people are evil now, and I, I hate all of them. I, yeah. I have watched Watchmen, so just, just want to let you know I'm about radical transparency. Great. Um, I started watching, by the way, the Witcher series on Netflix, which came out just a couple days ago. Apparently... And I didn't know this at the time. Apparently, I started watching it an hour and a half after it came out. Uh, so <laughs> I was, I was there, bam, right on the crack of release. Uh, and so I'm going to finish watching that. I now you said we were we were skipping the rest of the year. Is that right? Because you were not here or. There's a, there's a very good chance I will not be around next week. So I think we're done for the year. Okay. Um, but when we do come back in a two weeks time, uh, I'll probably have a review of Witcher, the Netflix series waiting and probably some other stuff too. That sounds great. That sounds great. Um, oh, I well, got an interesting question from Jim. Oh yeah. What you got? He asked me, why did I waste my time watching, like, the Watchmen TV series and Star Wars and other stuff? He says, why do you waste all your time on that? And I said, because it's my job. (laughs) (laughs) 
and not just the podcast. You're you're also absorbing as much pop culture and 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 genre fiction as you can for uh, for other stuff too. For other stuff too, yeah. And now people like come to me on Twitter and say, "Hey, uh, have you seen this movie? What do you think about it?" And I'm like, "Okay, well, okay." <laughs> wow. I never expected to be in that position in my entire life ever. But hey, you you are the uh, you are now the uh, pop culture pundit of today. <laughs> of my corner of the internet. That's fine. That's all. That's all right. I don't want to be a. Uh, I don't want to be big. See that I've got I've got a different reputation. My friends know not to ask me anymore because they know I pretty much hate everything. <laughs> I know I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go meet up with my buddy later this afternoon. We're going to go play some games, some board games, and he's going to say, "So what did you think?" And I'm going to say, "Sorry, I didn't like it." And he's going to I knew it, right? He's it's it's never it's never a different story, but that's okay. Um All right, uh do we have any last comments from the chat? Nope. Nope. Uh, well, John Delarose wants to talk about Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, but that's never happening. Man, that was good for like a season and a half, or maybe two seasons, and then just cratered hard. That's it. That's all I need to say. That was the whole discussion. <laughs> cratered hard. Done. We've done it. Check it off the list. Uh, I'm 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 done for today. I really appreciate everybody listening. Uh, later, hanging out and chat with us. It's always a good time. Uh, and, and thanks for hanging out with me for a couple of hours, Daddy Warpig. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry about being late, but it was not my problem. Not my fault. I got here when I could, folks. You just, you know, I was cursed. Cursed. I watched Star Wars and the universe got really mad and smote me to the ground for it. All right. Thanks for everybody who is uh, turning in, tuned, turned, tuned, tuned. Thanks for everyone who tuned in live to uh, uh, listen to the show and participate in the chat. We are available just about every Saturday at this time. It is 2 p.m. Eastern or 11 a.m. Pacific. We are available on YouTube.com slash GeekGab. That's YouTube.com slash geek gab or you can get to us on the google play store on the itunes store or on soundcloud.com listen to us on an android device listen to us on an ios device or just listen to us on anything you want on the web uh if you haven't before go ahead and click the like and subscribe and make sure uh, click the bell icon to get uh, announcements as to when we're going live so you do not miss a show. And uh, if you have subscribed before, make sure you still subscribe because for some reason YouTube steals what few subscriptions we have. Steals them right from out of our hands. We don't know why either. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, those that are, you know, listening live and uh, those that are listening later, 
think we uh, appreciate all our, our viewers. We are signing out for today. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.